0: Good evening. Uh, My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Radio Evolve, our international webcast for consciousness and culture. I'm very happy to have as a guest here in the studio today, Francois Dimarche. Francois, you are here in this studio. Hello, everyone.
1: Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here.
0: I am really very happy to have you, Francois. And I want to introduce you for everyone who. Does not know yet who you are. François Dimanche grew up in Paris, France. He has a degree in anthropology, and he lived for many years with indigenous people in Peru, where he became introduced to different cosmology and initiated to, into a shamanic art of healing. As François became himself an international respected shaman in the Shipibo tradition of Peru and also the Dakota tradition of the American plains, he became himself something like a bridge between the indigenous and the modern worlds. So Francois, we invited you because we are really interested, um, as we said in our title, in something that we experienced that we called a renaissance of indigenous wisdom. And I would like the first question to you as someone who is deeply Westerner. I mean, you came from Paris. And also you are deeply involved in indigenous healing practice, and you live for many years in South America, in Brazil, and in Peru, and you work closely together with indigenous tribes, uh, indigenous nations, uh, South and North America. Do you experience something like a renaissance of indigenous wisdom? And if yes, uh, what is this all about?
1: Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to place this in a very big scale, you know, in the Western world, because I... Maybe my uh, interaction with the community I am involved with is kind of limited, but i I definitely see a general trend that people are looking for more connection within themselves and uh, the sense of uh, belonging to asking the questions what is there out in nature in the universe that can make me feel more connected and um, in my own journey. I ask the same questions for myself um, because of my exposure to, to the indigenous world. Uh, I was able to rediscover something that I, I, I believe is very part of our human nature is, you know, we live in this planet Earth and, and to understand the liveness around, around us. So definitely there is a kind of a return and there is um, a wandering in our culture of something beyond ourselves.
0: So you mentioned twice the word connection, that there's an urge for a connection to be connected again. Uh, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, what, what connections do you have here in mind when you say there's something like a our culture to be connected again?
1: Well, you know, what's, what fascinates me is that I, I think all around the world and in the West, in our Western culture also before, uh, there was this... Um, in all Western culture, there was this idea, and, and in other places in the world, there's still this idea that nature is alive and has um, a presence that you can interact with. You know, this idea, a bit rooted in the animistic uh, way of looking at nature, you know, nature as a living being, plants as a living being, trees as a living being. Uh, in, in Peru and in other places, you know, they mention the Pachamama, the Mother Earth, so this idea of a mother and, and uh, that um, there is a language behind this. So um, when we talk about connection is to, <clears throat> first of all, for me, uh, as in the Western world, we, we live in such in a materialistic way, you know, more, most of us, uh, we have disconnected totally from nature as a living entity. So this idea of connection is like to re-understanding that there is a liveness around us Mm -hmm. and how we can rewire ourselves or uh, reopen this awareness of that liveness. Mm -hmm. That's how I would call about connection.
0: So if you would ask people, uh, is nature alive, are plants alive, are trees alive? I think we all would agree Uh, nature is alive, plants are alive. But it seems that you mean something that is more significant than what we usually mean when we say, uh, yes, of course, nature is alive. It's not a dead stone, although I guess you also would not agree that a stone is dead. Uh, But uh, uh, when you say aliveness and connecting to this aliveness, you mentioned something also with there's a language behind. Uh, That seems interesting. So uh, where are we going here?
1: Well, you know, indigenous people have this, um, uh, this deep belief, you know, that um, you can have an interaction with the living natural world. You can have an interaction with the earth, and the earth can answer to that interaction. Or you can engage with the earth, and the earth can respond. In the mountains of Peru, for example, in the Indies, they have those very particular rituals called despachos, which basically means a giveaway or an offering where they believe the mountains are spirits like people, you know, and they have um, um, an identity of some sorts, you know. And by engaging in a very humble and ritualistic way to uh, those mountain spirits, they receive back an answer from that. So there is this kind of relationship that is established, you know, the belief that, you can have a relationship and you can interact. Um, so it's not just the liveness of a plant that <clears throat> grows and do flowers and have seeds and et cetera. There is something more as a vibration, uh, a kind of I- invisible or uh, unhearable language that can be activated um, when you put in place uh, elements uh, that are, part of the indigenous people that I've kept alive and that I believe that we had somehow in our know, Western cultures before maybe the, the Christian domination, you know, that also brought something very uh, radical and vertical at, uh, in our culture. And um, that imposed also something, uh, but the Celts and our Druids and, and, and many other cultures you know, in Europe uh, had that also language.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean uh, you're talking about relationship and uh, you're also talking about nature spirits and then it it already becomes something that is a little outside of a usual perspective from nature because the way I hear you also when you say nature spirits and relationship it sounds like there is a you there there's someone who is in relationship with, with you that you in an in a IU you relationship can have a direct um, communication. And that definitely is outside our usual relationship with nature. We can appreciate the beauty of mountains. We can appreciate the aliveness of a tree, of the plants, the forest, whatever. But it, it seems uh, you also kind of mentioned this animistic, uh relationship that there's really someone who talks back, who is there with you, and um, this is something um, that's at least outside our usual paradigm. Is that what we are talking about?
1: Yeah, and you know, I apologize, maybe I'm jumping a little too fast, because it, for me, in my own process as a Westerner, you know, who started to be engaged with uh, those traditions, uh, I first had a kind of a fascination about it. Okay. So it was more somehow part of my uh, belief system. Somehow, somehow, I had a certain curiosity, mm-hmm. and even in the Celt folklore, or you know, all the imaginary beings that are part of our Western folklore, like we call the little people or the elf, or you know, that mm-hmm. uh, we believe are part of the children's imagination, somehow. Um, they also exist in the indigenous people. It's part of their, um, you know, belief system that there is entities and there is um, beings that lives uh, in, in a certain invisible world. If I, if I may say, you know, mm-hmm. so my first initial step was I had such a fascination and I was feeling in myself a call, you know, to investigate in me. Uh, why do I have this call? Why do I have this this um fascination, so through traveling and through exposure to rituals um, and and looking at indigenous people that believed and felt in their own body, in their own uh, senses the relationship with with nature as spirit, um I didn't feel it at all initially. Mm-hmm but I had the curiosity and willingness to keep being exposed to it. And little by little, by engaging and engaging more with particular rituals, uh, then something opened up in me. And it moved from an imagination or a projection or a desire to connect to a living reality in me. Mm-hmm. And my body started to receive that information, hear mm-hmm. and recognize Um, the responses that the rituals would create uh, in nature, you know, how nature was responding, and signs or manifestation, whether it is through animals or whether it is really through something that uh, is a vibration. But um, I call it language because somehow uh, the ritual in itself is almost like an
0: alphabet, you know, that you put in place and activate Thing, you know. Okay, well, let me go with you there because you started uh, with something that one also could call a romantic relationship, uh, also to our fairy tales and uh, just your curiosity. And I think uh, many people can share that. Uh, this kind of wow, wouldn't be interesting and inter- there's something intriguing in these stories. But you said that um, through rituals and engagement, something opened up for you. And I would like uh, to just uh, go with you there and ask you, uh, so what opened up? What's, what, what was the step from interest, uh, kind of being curious to this opening up? Uh, what are you talking about? Well, what is opening up and how?
1: Well, it seems that, you know, by doing the ritual, by engaging in the doing, uh-huh. so um a protagonist in, in the fact of doing, and also asking very humbly indigenous people to show me how, you know, and, and teach me. Um, then I received, or I started to receive some kind of information, whether it was in a dream time, but very clear vivid dreams that were directly related to the ritual, or a clear sense that nature w- was responding um, directly to uh, the ritual in itself you know, and um, I didn't make this up. It was a real transmission there. There's this idea of transmission that I call and answer that start to, to happen.
0: Okay. Um, so for quite some of our uh, critical listeners here, audience, uh, it's maybe worthwhile to ask the question, why, why are you sure you didn't make this up?
1: Well, I didn't make this up because I'm not the only one who felt that way. And, you know, I um, I also took very great care, I must say, to uh, make sure I was not making this up, you know, and checking the information and trying to understand the nature of the manifestation I was going through and talking to my indigenous elders. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of time what I was feeling and what I was seeing or what I was perceiving corroborate with their perception and, um, you know, their knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and it's an interesting conversation itself because I think we can have, in our Western world, a tendency to romanticize, maybe Mm -hmm. that aspect in our culture or wanted to believe that there is something and not really knowing how or making up in our own mind the real difficulty is to differentiate what could be our own projection of our own imagination mm-hmm. and what is the true manifest, manifest, manifestation that responds to a, a ritual in itself that creates something, you know. Um, it, it's something really beautiful and um, quite incredible. And I'm still in awe, you know, in things seeing how nature can... Uh, respond how we, we come before it uh, with you know humbleness
0: and offering and um, yeah I really would like to just uh, yeah further go with you there because I I hear that uh, rituals, the relationship to the elders of indigenous uh, people uh, played a role and you had a ex- convincing experience of, of something opening up that is something like, uh, I think you mentioned, uh, a, a, a secret language, uh, or, uh, I mean, invisible. So if people who don't have more than kind of a curiosity or kind of an interest uh, would try to understand uh, this opening up process, how would you describe what this opening is about and what, what shows itself in this opening to someone who, as we are talking, we we, we really try to not just uh, tell fairy tales in that sense, but really yeah. also uh, we, we are both uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, to, two men from the 21st century. We, we know European Enlightenment, we know critical thinking, we we, uh, we have a relationship to rationality, we have a relationship to science. So all, all this taken into consideration, still, you say, in... Being engaged in this ritual, something is opening up that seems to have a powerful reality that is meaningful and uh, importance, um, importance personally and where I would like to go. Maybe also important uh, for our culture as such.
1: For sure, for sure. And um, one of the phrases that is very much used, you know, uh, particularly in the Lakota Nation in Lakota language, is sing which says. Uh, to all my relations, Mm -hmm. meaning we are all related as human beings, you know, from different, the corners of, of, of uh, uh, the planet earth and all the different colors of of human beings, but also to all living realities and that are part of this uh, earth, but also to the whole universe somehow. So one of the um, analogy I use that I heard, you know, is if we look at the theory of the bing bong, for example, where, you know, from nothing net, everything happened, and there's this explosion, that starts to expand the to expands, the evolved universe, and the galaxy were created, and our galaxy was created, all solar systems, the sun and the planets, and the dust start to create this earth, and in this Earth, you know the fire and the rocks and the water and consciousness and evolution, mm-hmm. plants and animals, and to culture, human beings' language where we are today. If you look at that cycle in a way, we are at the tipping point of that evolution, you know, Mm -hmm. and in this planet, but we can see that we're all connected to all the things that are around us. And in this planet also, we're all coming away from the same source. Mm -hmm. There is some kind of, um, maybe not a rational uh, connection that you can, you know, engage with directly like this, but a different kind of rationality that is, that demands to open up to a different part of our own brain and, and open something up to realize that uh, all the things that are around us have also a vibration of liveness that comes from the same source. Mm-hmm. So this is where I would start to explain a little bit this idea of interconnections, you know, and also to respect and understand that indigenous cult- culture um, some of them have kept alive today, this language. And um, the belief system is very much rooted, you know, in, in, this, uh, in this language where they connected with Mother Earth as a mother or as an entity that has aliveness with the animal spirit that can also bring information. The great ego for the Lakota, somehow the creator is a connection to the creator or the great spirit the rocks that they use in their Temascal or Sweat Lodge, they call them the grandfathers because they were here before human beings and somehow mm-hmm. put them in the fire, they bring the they bring them alive again, you know, they bring the redness and the heat so they can express themselves, you know. Just the concept of the fire, for example. If you think of the fire in itself, the fire is the center of our earth, you know, and as mm. expressed itself, and then it has become part of human beings, first of all, we learn how to um, engage with the fire and be able to manage the fire, domesticate the fire, and then the fire became the fundamental element where people would sit in circle and tell stories, and it carries that energy today when you lit a fire. Outside, you can imagine that that fire carries all the memories of all the human beings that have sat for centuries and centuries you know and carries that liveness and memory and has also its own vibration and its own language. so this is the kind of perspective that I try to bring in some of the teachings you know that I offer to Western people to change their relationship with the environment with their own self and the environment and understand that it's not only in the high individuation, it's not only in themselves, but it's, they're part of this whole dance that, of life that is around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And um, it brings something bigger and deeper in your sense of
0: life. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I guess everyone with a materialist scientific orientation would agree with you that everything is connected with everything somehow. So uh, I think uh, uh, people wouldn't have a difficulty with that. But when you're describing the way you see this connection, you seem to use a different language. Uh, you, you talk about vibration, you talk about direct information, and you also mentioned the use of a different part of your brain. So it seems when you talk about everything is connected and you, you, you brought this uh, the story of fire and, and just basically – uh, bringing the the history of fire that fire is 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 the is the core of uh, of this earth of this planet and uh, it, fire plays a central role in our becoming humans as we discovered fire used fire set around the fire people would agree with this story but there seems to be something with the vibration and uh, this this other side that i hear from you that it seems you you think about or you tell the story in a different way uh do i hear you right and if yes what is this other side that you mention here or that you touch here
1: um you know it's really hard to to explain the things because you have to somehow have an experience of it okay and um um yeah um the best way to really experience it is just to engage with it. There is a doing about it, you know, and, um, um, I can talk to you forever about, about it, but once you're going to feel it, you're going to have an experience in yourself, uh, a point of reference that will, um, grow in itself. Um, and that's what happened for me. So, um, what I believed initially is that indigenous culture have kept that culture alive. And by myself, extending myself towards them, they kind of helped me open up Mm -hmm. and starting to have a living reality in myself, starting to have an experience of it. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, then it it moved from that place of belief or just, you know, a mind belief to something that was embodied belief. Mm -hmm. Um, and and uh, that's 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 what comes to my mind right now.
0: Well, <laughs> it's no, great because uh, the the way you're expressing yourself uh, and you really, I mean, you, you again and again uh, you, when you started to, to, to share your story, you, you you told the importance of ritual in that, and and it, right now you you're making the point. We can talk about this for ages. It's about engaging. It's about doing. Uh, it, it, it's 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 about uh, embodiment. And in that, I, I hear also a different engagement with language, if I may say so, because we usually have this reflective relationship to language, and I think it's very important, and it's part of our European Western enlightened culture to do so. But it seems that uh, this is one way how to relate to reality, and I don't want to dismiss it, but you say that maybe there's something lost that is a, a different a different way of relating that doesn't come directly just from this abstract uh, discourse relationship. But do you, I think you called it embodied thinking, didn't, didn't you say something like that? But definitely it was about embodiment. And it seems that the difference of engagement uh, has something to do with that. And that this is maybe, that's my, my assumption hearing you, something that you usually oversee, leave out, because we are so used to a particular way of relating to reality that it, has, it goes through this abstract mind. But there's something with direct embodied engagement doing that opens up from a different perspective and that maybe indigenous people, particular because they are not exposed to our uh, European modern culture, are highly trained in and maybe there's something to learn.
1: Well, they're highly trained but beyond that, We were highly trained in a way. Beyond the training is they they just, their environment, they were born in an environment that there's not necessarily all that technology and all that noise that we have created. Hmm. We've created a culture of noise and busyness. If you look today at the media and the technology that is accessible to us, if you live in a city, how come can you be informed by nature? Your brain is constantly... Uh, uh, asked, you know, the emails, the phone, the information, the, everything that is around us cannot connect us to nature and have and start to to pay attention and to listen in a different way to the way we are emboxed, you know, in our education to listen, um, which has a, a great benefit for the mind. I mean, uh, definitely. Um, so I would say one also of the important aspect is to try to, you know, quiet down, quiet down the busyness of the brain where it takes us in a way to meditation here again, which is an extraordinary universal, um, you know, tool to get out of your own self, you know. And if you do meditation uh, in nature, in a very quiet place where there's no technology, and you start also to ingest some herbs and some roots, you know, that have been gathered, uh, acknowledging the force and the spirits of nature by offering somehow tobacco or food, you know, uh, uh, and, and then the nature is going to respond, you know, and then you're going to also open up, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to clear that busyness, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you're going to open up to a different way of listening and paying attention, you know, but you have to somehow so create a, a, an ideal environment for you to be able to, to listen and, and to respond to, to that language or to that vibration, again, to that resonance, I would say, you know. So um, our culture has developed so many great things, but mm-hmm. definitely has treated also more nature as an object that we can dominate and use for our own benefit. And has totally abstracted that it has also a aliveness and a spirit in it, you know. And, and somehow I, I believe that that has created a certain sense of disbalance in our culture mm-hmm. and this is why maybe today uh, people are you know as we come back to the beginning of this interview like you said, is there a, is a trend or a tendency i believe people are looking again to reconnect in a deeper way with the environment and the self you know and um, it was true for me initially you know in the cultures that i grew up with and the values that i grew up with i felt there were more you know and um, i wanted to connect deeper uh, to, to something I was feeling and that's why I turned with indigenous
0: people mm-hmm. myself I was very intrigued when you made this differentiation between noise and uh, I don't know how you called the other, let's call the other the language um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, how you described our culture and uh, our, our digital culture, but it's not just a digital culture, it's, it was much uh, before the digital age uh, this 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 noise and the way I hear you that there's that it needs to listen to something beyond the noise and I would like to to go into what, what is this noise about and what is this language about what is, what's, the, what's the difference between when we, when we use our senses whatever senses and we perceive what is the noise part and what is the part that is not noise that is relevant that that is that is real, that is deeper, as you're describing. Uh, what's this differentiation that you're making here?
1: Well, again, I can only come from a perspective of my own experience. Yeah. You know, what do I know at the end? Yeah. <laughs> but um, for me, there is, I, I would say, two kinds of noise. There is the external noise of, you know, of life. Uh, when we live, for example, in a Western world, Uh, usually in a city, it's pretty busy. It's pretty loud, you know, what's happening around us. And there's there's a noise in our head, you know, Mm. or the thinking of our emotional or or all the busyness that could be in our mind, you know. And um, the quietness could be really be in a place where uh, all that external and internal noise gets somehow liberated, you know, gets somehow... Dominated, or we find a way to let it go, and there's a certain calmness and a different kind of attention that rises in us. Uh, That is more about paying attention to um, the manifestation and the, you know, uh, that we're surrounded by, you know. And that demands a deep listening, and that deep listening can only come where we can find a way to also get away from all that, that busyness or that noise, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a different sense of listening, a deep listening, you know, of the wind, for example, you know, uh, the wind can be blowing around mm-hmm. and you're just walking and you're thinking and there's noise around you. It's just wind. Mm -hmm. But if you sit somewhere in nature and you really let go of yourself, you know, and you really pay attention to the wind, then the wind can grow in its quality of blowing and what it brings, you know, and your attention about it. So by doing this exercise over and over as an example, um, I, I trust that you would develop a sensitivity and become aware of the quality of the wind and what it brings, you know, And um, maybe you will hear the wind talk to you
0: Mm. as a messenger, too. If I may bring here my own experience, just to clarify our conversation, because uh, as you know, I'm living here in Frankfurt, Germany. I'm I'm, I'm living kind of on the the outskirts of the city of Frankfurt. And uh, I'm I'm also living next to a, a big forest, and I, I quite often, uh, mostly with my bike, uh, go into this forest. And I'm aware very much about these two different spaces, the city space uh, and, 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 and and the forest. And uh, because Frankfurt also has this uh, uh, skyline and, uh, and, and this kind of also being one of the financial centers of Europe, it has a certain quality. And I'm very aware that the two spaces, um, there's something different when I just go from one to the other. And when I go to this forest place and I'm not just full with whatever thoughts, there's something talking to me. Uh, uh, it may be the wind, it may, may be the absence of wind, it may be uh, the trees there, but there's something that um, is, feels real, feels intriguing, uh, feels uh, meaningful. And I have kind of the suspicion that this is what you mean when you say uh, uh, let us go off the noise a little bit. And it's, uh, I'm just t- talking about city of Frankfurt as a, on one hand, is a reality, but other, it's just as a, as a symbol for something uh, that's also ha- happening in my mind. And it seems that um, this experience of nature, where something is talking to me, is more than just a nice experience. It seems to be very much related to our humanness, uh, to what it means to be alive. And um, it feels that there's something that's important for us personally, the way we live our life, but also for us as a a culture, how we want to create our culture, where we want to go with our culture here. Uh, Can you relate to this kind of experience that I'm describing here?
1: Yeah, I, I, I can certainly relate it to that. And I think beyond what you're describing there's more, you know, okay. I, um, uh, you know, I myself have visited Europe, uh, different, you know, secret sites that used to be killed sites, for example. Uh-huh. And, you know, there were indigenous people of Europe that had a very close relationship to nature and treated also nature as a spirit and used different kinds of plant medicine, like, um, you know, the oak trees and, and at the mistletoe and had a very deep relationship with, with those plants and a sacred relationship. There was this idea of sacredness. Uh, so, you know, they, they were making offerings and, um, to gather those plants. And so they would give before taking. There's this, also this concept and idea in indigenous people of reciprocity. As if we, if we believe that nature is, is alive and has a spirit, you know, uh, this liveness needs also to be fed to some mm-hmm. degree as we need to be to be fed ourselves, so I've done that, and i visited those places and uh, as an example you know I, I i make some offerings and some singing from the Lakota people It has nothing to do with western european culture and uh, then I meditated and I was visited in my meditation. It was not an hallucination, it was not uh-huh. it was a very clear presence. Of an old druid spirit with a big beard and 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 an old c- crown on his on his you know like looking at me and and being very surprised actually that someone would come somehow and pay respect to those places and activated something so there's that aspect that you described that is you know the recognition of a difference and 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 in you also that, that nature is talking to you and then there is the true manifestation, the deeper manifestation that spirit can eventually come to you and, and, and really talk to you or show, show you things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and also to go further in, in what you describe, um, I think the environmental challenges that we're facing today uh, has a lot to do with our culture, you know. Culture has just been a culture of extraction, You know, if we talk about fossil fuels or, you know, and and all the different aspects uh, that we're facing today and the challenges uh, we're facing today in our planet. And uh, we have disrespected nature somehow. We just thought that we could just take, take, take without really taking into consideration also that maybe we're creating such a disbalance, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I've heard so many times elders from indigenous people saying Mother Earth is crying. Mother Earth is, you know, needs to be respected in a different way. I mean, it's a strong word crying, but uh, it's a beautiful way of describing it. Maybe a little poetic, (laughs) some would would think. And um, that, you know, we haven't taken care of nourishing. We haven't taken care of protecting. We haven't taken care of acknowledging it as a living entity. Maybe just take what we need not mm-hmm. just take to to even waste it, you know. And there's a bit of that culture of waste, uh, I think in the West, you know, if, if you think about it. Um, so there's a lack of balance that uh, mm-hmm. is also maybe felt individually somehow, and that's why maybe people more and more are turning to uh, re-understanding their connection to nature, you know. And I think. It's part of um, the challenges and and, uh, maybe because those challenges are emerging in our culture, we are going to be able to re-understand the deep connection that we have with our environment, not only uh, from a study perspective, you know, from a scientific perspective, but more from a a spiritual, also an energetical perspective, Mm -hmm. which would grow uh, something very
0: meaningful for human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, when you were saying that there's more uh, to the example that I was bringing about uh, this forest and you you were describing um, your experience with this Celtic Druid uh, what really stuck with me is that you were expressing a certain relationship with this other, however you want to call it that had to do with respect and relationship and that this is something that we usually um, we don't uh, we don't even go there to see this because I can love nature I can appreciate nature I can uh, whatever but this certain re- respecting or you 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 even said more than just respecting you you said a giving relationship giving and respecting there's an inner relationship to that that feels very alien to our European way of thinking things. Uh, to to go there uh, uh, and uh, appreciate, yes, but to give to it and and, and respect in this I, you way, that's the way I hear you, uh, highlights that the relationship that you're talking about comes from a different place. It comes from a different kind of, uh, using your words, a different part of our brain to be able to relate to this. And uh, however, our audience may kind of uh, interpret your experience with this with this Celtic uh, Druid. It is definitely that at that time when uh, when our ancestors, were where uh, uh, Celts uh, Germanic tribes, they had this kind of relationship that you that you're talking about. And it seems that through our history, and it's not just our modern times; it's also our Christian times. It's uh, there's something where our relationship to this part of reality, this part of nature changed. And it seems that you are highlighting it is this part that is important also for the, uh, yeah, for the deeper environmental crisis that we are in, for the climate crisis, that that this very intimate relationship to it plays a crucial role and maybe this is something that we have to pay attention to when we talk about things like climate change, of course we have to talk about systems, reality, all of that. But you're talking about something very intimate here.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You're mentioning this evolution in our culture in a way, and I think uh, we had previous conversation uh, that somehow our world identity as tribal before were rooted in the group in itself. And maybe the ind, individual identity was not so much existent uh, in the indigenous groups in, in in Europe before, and and the whole evolution in our culture allowed that high individuation, you know, and and the, our ego and the sense of liberation there that was very important, uh, and that happened. And today we live in a kind of high individuated culture, uh, you know, and uh, uh, we can come back to that sense of collective. We can come back to that sense of connection with everything, but more from a, a, a high evolved uh, e- e- individuated self from a, a free will of, you know, of wanting to appreciate honor, respect and understand that connection and not from a place where my whole identity actually was a group. If I would leave the group, I would not be me, you know, because I was so, it was so rooted mm-hmm in the community in itself. So this is maybe what happened, why it happened. I, I don't even know. Um, but we had to go through this. And now there's a kind of a return, but it, we're coming back into
0: it from a different place, more evolved place in a way. Um, you made, you made a very interesting connection here. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you kind of connected uh, collective reality with connection. And of course, uh, our highly individuated culture, the capacity to say I and, and take individual responsibility, is something that is a high achievement of culture. Uh, right. And I think you agree, agree with that. But okay. uh, what, what, what you seem to highlight here is that our sense of individuation is also a sense of separateness. Uh, experiencing us, uh, not us, ma- me, as something that is separate from everything else. And that this indigenous experience of life, and you even kind of hinted that uh, this indigenous experience is, if I'm separate from my tribe, I cannot survive. That's a different life experience than our highly individuated reality. But this has something to do with being connected to reality in a deeper sense, and that there's also something to learn from that side.
1: You know, it's interesting because you're bringing two important points here. Uh, maybe this is why, in our culture today, people are, want to return to this sense of connection to nature because that high individuated self feels separated uh-huh. and it belong again and If you look, for example, also in North America, in the reservation where the Indians are living, we kind of crush them, we impose our culture you know towards them, we move them, uh, we colonize them. And we did, we kind of crushed their capacity to connect with a collective spirit, and it's extremely dysfunctional. It's actually really sad what is happening over there. People can't function in the system because they haven't necessarily developed that high individuation. It was kind of it it didn't happen in a slow process like for us. It was directly imposed. Mm-hmm. So some of them have been able to go through it and, and understand, but most of them, it's a very dysfunctional where they feel lost in their Mm -hmm. spirit sense, you know? So I just wanted to, to mention those two points and, uh, and yes, uh, how, what a beautiful thing today that people like me, uh, that somehow are not directly responsible, but our culture, my culture in a way responsible for what also happened to indigenous people some, somehow in the world, go there and humbly ask to be reeducated, and mm-hmm. you know, and 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 slowly is being accepted and 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 brought into the so-called as a family member, and then be able to to be part of this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really special and precious. To mm-hmm.
0: be sure. It's such a mm-hmm. a lesson for us that really touches me uh, the way you connect your personal story with also our collective history of what we did to tribal cultures around the world and the your personal journey uh, as you said to, to to humbly ask to be reeducated that's uh, it's a very interesting word <laughs> uh, you're using here and as we're coming also to the end of uh, of our, our our time for for this conversation here uh, it seems that uh, some re- re-education um, seems to be wholesome right now for our culture. And it seems that uh, people like you and others who kind of connected with uh, the wisdom that we are talking about right now are aware that um, there is some education uh, that uh, is is just very important for us to receive, and again, not to throw away uh, who we are as Europeans, not to throw away uh, our uh, also modern and postmodern culture in, the, in, the, in that way. But it seems that something has to be integrated here. And I would like to ask you: Do you have a vision where we uh, where we can go here uh, uh, on an individual, but also on a collective way? Because I don't see that we we, we go back becoming just tribes. That's I mean, that's a romantic idea and that that doesn't work anyway. But there's this connection and there is a a reversal also of of education because I I, I really saw this image of, of people like you going to tribal cultures and ask to receive their wisdom and to connect it with who we are as Europeans. So where do we go with what we receive there?
1: I'm thinking of the next generations, you know, for okay. children, and I'm thinking that more and more, hopefully, we can create an awareness uh, of of those concepts. And here again, I'm thinking of Rudolf Steiner, you know. Mm. Uh, Amazing, for example, in Germany, uh, this kind of type of education integrates uh, European folklore, you know, and the relationship with nature. Nature as a living entity uh, for the children to grow with that awareness. Children are there already, you know. So if we can put in place practices uh, for the education of the next generation uh, and and try to blend also some of the teaching that indigenous people kept alive, hopefully we're going to be able to bring people together in a new sense of togetherness and a new sense of a collective awareness of a living reality around us, uh, which I think for all the challenges of the future in terms of environment and and also uh, cultural challenges, uh, it would be quite amazing uh, because we are all brothers and sisters somehow, not in a romantic sense, you know, and with all our differences, but we're all part of, of this planet and all part of this, Beautiful life experience, mm. and uh, as much as we can experience this in in our own body and, and you know intuitive self and develop
0: that, it's gonna create a better world. I hope. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our time. Uh, if people want to hear more about uh, your. Way and uh, uh, the way you work with this, what you're describing, right? I know there's a biography, autobiography of you out in French language. I think it's coming out in English language. Where where can people go if they want to connect with the work that you're doing?
1: You know, I, I've been being very for myself, and the book in English is coming really fast, and I hope to have more. Uh, online information, you know, at uh, com. Uh, we're working on it so people can uh, have access to uh, the different teachings and the different indigenous groups that I've been involved
0: with. So, yeah. just to interrupt you, the website is metsamedicine.com. Yeah, it will come very soon. It will come very soon, okay.
1: Yeah, but thank you for asking and, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> François, of course it was too short, (laughs) but it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story uh, and sharing your insights. And I am just deeply convinced this is a conversation that is important for what we're doing here.
1: I'm very honored to have been invited and share a little bit about it. And thank you again. And I hope everyone enjoys it.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And good evening from Frankfurt.